Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the show. We made it to Friday, the end of another week. I was just kind of freaking out. I realized that this Sunday is the last Sunday of July. And uh, I'm just wondering, where did all the time go? Hey, thanks for tuning in. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And this is The Word to Stand On for Life. As you know by now, this is a program dedicated to taking phone calls and answering Bible questions, questions about stuff going on in your life. Whatever is on your heart, all you need to do is call us, 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free by dialing 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com or uh, you can send your questions in using our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. Remember, if you're driving in your car, the safest way to call is use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the call now banner at the top of the screen. Everything else is hands-free, and you'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Hey, I'm happy to be here today. Uh, Tonight, here at Calvary Chapel, we're going to be teaching uh, our verse-by-verse study through the book of Revelation. And just, I would consider it a favor if you pray for me. This is the least favorite of the seven letters uh, to teach. It's not fun. It's a hard message. Uh, and it's a message that hits really, really hard at the very time that we live in and the current condition of the church uh, that professes to belong to him. So uh, I would appreciate your prayers. You know, I don't want to bum anybody out when they come, but, but this is a really important letter. It's just not a fun letter like some uh, are or like, uh, like is coming up a little bit later. Uh, on Sunday, I'm going to be uh, finishing in First uh, Corinthians 12, and uh, that's um, the church is a body, the body of Christ, how it works together, and that's where we are. Okay, let's get to some questions. The first one that has been sent in is from our email inbox from Ash. 
And um, Ash, I'm going to say to you, you're not going to like my answer, but it comes from a heart that really cares for you. She says, hi, Pastor On. My boyfriend wants to get married, and I do too. We have a one-year-old little girl together, and I've been trying to work from home alone with her. It would be helpful if we moved in together to share the responsibility of 24-hour parenthood, and we love each other. Uh, I want to do this God's way. I've tried it my own way, and it simply does not work. My boyfriend is not opposed to God, but is not a believer. Would God bless our marriage with one believer and one non-believer? I'm praying for answers, and Mom said that asking you may also help. Thank you in advance. Well, Ash, thank you and your mom. And again, I want to say in advance, my heart, uh, there's no delight in, in, in answering a question I know is going to cause you pain. Um, I know you're not talking about moving in together unmarried. You know that sin now. Your heart is for the Lord, uh, and that's great. So I know that's not what you're talking about. And I know that um, it would be best for your little girl to have a mom and a dad together. Um, and the fact that you love each other, I think, is uh, is important. However, um, God could never bless a marriage between a believer and a non-believer. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Paul is really clear, and there is no human relationship that is more important to God than the the relationship between a husband and a wife in Christ. And when the Apostle Paul is talking about that, he says, what do darkness and light have to do together? Imagine, Ash, for a moment, the difficulties you're going to have raising your little girl when you want to get her involved in church, when you want to have her dedicated to the Lord, and your uh, boyfriend, who who you're talking about marrying, says, oh, I don't think that matters. I don't think she should have to go to church. Let her choose on her own when she gets old enough. Those kind of things. There's just nothing that you have in common in the home. There's just nothing at all that's blessable by the Lord. Now, certainly it's better to be married if you're going to live together, then not. But there's so much pain. Gosh, I've been doing this for 26 years. And I cannot tell you how many times the numbers, the sheer volume of counseling sessions I've had with unequally yoked marriages where the pain is just impossible. This is a a boy you love, a man, a young man that you love, and he's not going to heaven. How would you live together knowing that he's going to hell and you're not? And this is a place where I think that you stand for Jesus. Now, I'm not suggesting an evangelistic relationship here at all. But, but Ash, let me say this. Your boyfriend needs to know how much Jesus means to you. You've already said it. You've tried it your own way and it hasn't worked. He needs to know how much Jesus means to you. And looking into his eyes and saying, I love you. I can't imagine heaven without you, but I love Jesus more. And Jesus says, don't get married to an unbeliever. At least at that point, he knows how serious you are about your relationship with Jesus. 
And see, by taking that kind of a stand, that doesn't mean you've got to move on and uh, it doesn't mean you're going to lose all your feelings for him. But, but what it means is that when he has to deal with the fact that, that you love Jesus so much, that Jesus is so real to you, that you're willing to walk away from a relationship with a man you love, I promise you the Holy Spirit can use that. And I would tell him if I were you, I just can't imagine being married to somebody who's not going to be in heaven. You simply have nothing in common. Now you've got a little girl in common and you're going to have a relationship with him, but but wanting your little girl's father to be a Christian is a wonderful testimony to your commitment to your faith. So as painful as this is, Ash, again, I want to emphasize, these things always cause me a lot of pain. I don't like to be the bearer of bad news, but but the really bad news would be for me to say, oh yeah, since you've got a a little girl already and and you love each other, you know, it's better to have a a father and a mother together. Um, that, That would be condemning you to a life of pain. Now, two things I would suggest you do. The first is be very direct with them and say, other than you being our little girl's father, and I would never keep you from our daughter, uh, our relationship has to stop unless and until you become a believer. And I'm not talking about just saying it. I'm talking about really wanting to be a believer, following Jesus Christ, recognizing that you're a sinner who needs to be saved. Other than that, we can have no relationship that does not involve our daughter. And then follow through with that. And then the next step is to pray for him. Ask God to take your stand for Jesus and use it to convince him of his own need for Christ. And Ash, again, I know this is not what you want to hear. I know how difficult it is to be a single mom. Uh, we have a bunch of single moms in our church. We help whenever and wherever we can. I know it's difficult. But you've already indicated that you've tried it on your own and it doesn't work out. Give Jesus a chance to really show off for you. Being married to an unbeliever is nothing but pain. Now, that doesn't mean there won't be moments of happiness. Believe me, uh, that that would be naive. I wouldn't try to, to, to represent that. But by and large, there will be pain and more pain and more pain. I'm sure at your church, there are people that can help you single mom in our church culture should never be left on her own with their child. Uh, that's what churches do. As I said, we help our single moms here. That's our responsibility before God. I think single moms and their children are sort of the New Testament counterpart to the widows and orphans of the Old Testament. God cared for them and he watched out for them. And likewise, Ash, he will watch out for you. And he'll understand your heart is broken because you love this young man. But you never...
never, ever will make a mistake by demonstrating that you love Jesus more. And he simply cannot bless. God cannot bless this relationship apart from your boyfriend getting saved. So I hope that makes sense to you, Ash. I hope, even as I say it, the Holy Spirit has already been speaking to your heart about that very thing. If you want to walk forward with Jesus, and it's clear from your email that you do, then you walk with Jesus. And let him go back and get your boyfriend, if that's in the cards. And he knows, God does, you don't, I don't. But what I do know is there will be nothing but pain in an unequally yoked relationship. Here is a question from Randy. I, I, I wanted to do this yesterday. Um, uh, I did it right at the end of the program. Actually, it was Wednesday, right at the end of the show on Wednesday. And I, I just didn't have enough time at the end of the program. And I told Randy, hold on, I'd deal with it at the top. And then Ash's email came in and, and just broke my heart. So, uh, Randy, uh, you said in your question, uh, the idea of the rapture terrifies me. I would rather happen or all that happen after I die. Randy, let me suggest a couple of things. One, you need to really fall in love with Jesus. If you really love him, how can you be afraid of being with him? How can a rapture terrify you if it's just Jesus calling you to be with him? Read John chapter 14, the first five verses. Jesus says, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And the reason I'm doing it is I can come back and get you to take me to be with me where I am. So, Randy, the idea of a rapture, that's Jesus taking you, rescuing you away from, from an earth that is going to be um, uh, overwhelmed by judgment. God can't judge those of us whose sin has already been judged, so he takes us away. And we're going to the, the wedding supper of the Lamb. I mean, we're going to have a seven-year by the way time is counted here on earth, we're going to have this marriage supper of the Lamb where where Jesus is going to reveal himself to us. And we're literally going to be married to him. It's a ceremony, whatever the ceremony in heaven will look like. And see, the rapture is our invitation to that ceremony. And I just don't understand how it can terrify me. It's not there terrify you. It's not the, the science fiction-y kind of thing. I remember as a brand new believer, somebody tried to explain the rapture to me. We were sitting in a restaurant. He goes, he said, well, if the rapture happened right now, we'd all be here. Our food would be left behind. Our clothes would be left behind. And we'd be with Jesus. And that sounded strange. I mean, weird to me. But never did it sound fearful. So, Randy, let me suggest a couple of reasons why the idea of a rapture terrifies you. You may not really be saved. Again, I don't, I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm just saying you need to examine your heart. When Jesus comes and lives in your heart in the person of the Holy Spirit, the idea that you want to be with him is overwhelming. I love my life, Randy. I absolutely love my life. And yet I know in the very being of my my soul, I know that there's nothing better that could happen to me right now than to be with Jesus. And I prefer not dying. I'd prefer the rapture. But check your heart. Make 
make sure that you really do belong to him, that you're really born again. If you are, and I think probably the answer to that question is yes, you are, then you need to get to know him a little bit better so you can trust him. Every good and perfect gift is from above, the Father of lights. Jesus said that we should pray that we be counted worthy to escape the judgment that's going to come upon all those who live on the face of the earth. Why would Jesus tell us to pray for something that would cause us pain? So it's just that moment where we go be with him. And Randy, as I have stated, believing you to be saved, I think the problem is you just don't know him well enough to trust him. The more time you spend with him, the more you study about him in the word, the more this longing in your heart occurs to, to, to want to be with him where he is. And so get to know him better. Really dig in and get to know him better because the idea that Jesus might call me home, call all of us home today. Can you imagine? And Randy, you don't say whether you're married, don't how many, uh, how old you are, if you've got kids, you don't have kids. But imagine for a moment if the rapture happens now and you have children, they would never be exposed to the ugliness in this world again. There'd never have to be another filthy commercial television show or, 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 or movie where you'd have to cover their eyes and usher them out of the room. All they would know is Jesus. I had somebody one time, a mom, say, well, I want to see my children grow up and get married and have grandchildren. And I, I said, do you really think that if your daughter, and she had a daughter, I said, if your daughter... The rapture happened now. Do you really think it would be a bad thing that Jesus would be the only man in her life? She would never be mistreated by a man. She'd never be called names. She'd never be forced into something that she knows that she shouldn't do. That Jesus would be the only man who would love her and he would love her with such a holiness and purity and tenderness. How can that be a bad thing? So all of that to say, Randy, you just get to need to know Jesus better. Once you do, I promise the the terrifying feeling you have thinking about the rapture would go away. Thanks, Randy, for the question and for your patience since Wednesday on me finally getting to answer. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Here's an anonymous question. Um, she says, uh, I am a new believer and know my boyfriend and I should stop having sex. I told him, but he doesn't want to. What should I do? Um, anonymous, what you should do is leave him immediately. Why would you want to be with a man who's going to defile you by having sex? Now remember, you're a born-again believer. And that conviction of the Holy Spirit that you guys have got to stop having sex, that, that, that's God saying, I love you so much, you're, you're far too precious, far too valuable for me to, 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 for, for you to keep this going on. And now, in your heart of hearts, you know it to be true. So now you've got to be brave and tell your boyfriend that you're leaving him. It's that simple. Um, I had the question from Ash at the top of the program. 
And she asked about an, uh, an unequally yoked marriage. I'm going to tell you the same thing. A relationship between a boyfriend and a girlfriend. As a Christian, you should never be involved with somebody who doesn't love Jesus. It's that simple. So tell him goodbye. Your boyfriend doesn't want to stop having sex. He doesn't care about what's important to you. He doesn't value you. Paula always says to young women in your situation, if you only knew your value, you wouldn't let him do that to you. And your value to God is enormous, infinite. And so here's a chance for you, like I told Ash, to take a stand for Jesus and say, I can't see you anymore. We have no relationship. I'm in love with another man. His name is Jesus. Now, obviously, Anonymous, we all understand why your boyfriend doesn't want to stop having sex. But you want to please the Lord. So what you ought to do now, and I mean today, not over the weekend, not next week, next month, today is in the relationship. You don't say whether you're living together, but if you are Go find someplace else. And go to your church. You're a new believer. I'm assuming you have a church. I hope you have a church. And let somebody there know exactly what it is that you're struggling with, the situation you're in, and have people praying for you. But this is right now your choice, a new believer. Am I going to follow Jesus or am I going to follow this boyfriend? A boyfriend who doesn't care enough about you to respect your body, your relationship with Jesus Christ, a boy who is defiling you to satisfy his own lust. That is a an easy choice to make. Uh, I don't know how you would get it. It's, it's on our website, uh, Anonymous, um, our Sweet Summer Devotions. And I think it's three years ago. Um, but there's a way to, to search it out. But... Um, uh, Killian Gons, G-O-I-N-S, did a, a sweet summer devotion uh, about uh, about this very thing, about how when when she met the, the man who is now a pastor of a church, by the way, um, when she met him, um, um, she was just kind of flummoxed because he wasn't putting any moves on her, she said. And she said, are, are we okay? Is there something wrong with me? You're not putting any moves on me and and he said I would never defile you I love you I would never defile you that way and she laughed she said at that point she was either a brand new Christian or not yet a Christian she said she go oh, defile me and everybody laughed but but he said no you're far too valuable to God for me to treat you that way and um, that man that she married now is a pastor of Calvary Chapel and the Alamo Ranch area of San Antonio, and and one of my dear, dear friends. I miss him so much. But uh, God has a great plan for you. God has a great plan for you. Okay, I'm going to miss take this question at the top of the break or the next next half hour because I don't have time for it. So let me go to this one. Anonymous. I got a bunch of anonymous. Um, anonymous says it's hard to deal with the death of someone I loved who died without Jesus. Ugh. I'm going to go to the next question because I need more time for that too. 
Uh, here's one from, from Tony. He says, are Christians rejecting homosexuality or trans lifestyles causing people to commit suicide? Tony, no. The devil is causing people to commit suicide. Suicide is always an act that's propagated by Satan. Uh, he came to kill, to rob, to steal, to destroy. Um, I don't think we need any more adjectives than that. Um, but but um, uh, us saying right is right and wrong is wrong is not causing people to commit suicide. That's um, a false premise. And I know the the unbelievers try to promote that. No, see, because because we're not accepted in regular... Uh, um, people keep telling us that we're in sin. Um, they feel bad about themselves. If somebody's living a homosexual lifestyle or a trans lifestyle, they need to feel bad about themselves. Because we have an answer for them. And that answer is Jesus Christ. They're not going to go to hell because they're homosexuals or trans. They're going to go to hell for rejecting Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the answer. They can become filled with the, the oil of joy, the oil of gladness. They can have all of their sins forgiven, and they can be in relationship with God Almighty. So, Tony... Don't listen to people say, well, well, you, you Christians make me feel bad about myself. No, that's the Holy Spirit convicting them of sin. Jesus said when he comes, he would convict the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment. And that's what's happening. So it's not us. These are unhappy people. They are confused people. They're people that by the very choices they're making are rejecting having been made in the image of God. And they need Jesus, and he is the only answer to the pain in their hearts. So, Tony, hope that makes sense to you. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. I'm going to start with those uh, two longer questions when we get back at the end of the break. Uh, we've got 30 minutes left in the week. We would love to have your phone calls come. So, three four zero ninety five eighty five or toll-free 877-KS. L R. This is the word to stand up for life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh. We'll be back on the other side of the break. We'll see you in two minutes. Back to the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the second half, the last 30 minutes of the week, 340-9585. You know, the questions, they kind of break in my heart. So um, if I'm sort of stumbling around, please forgive me for that. That's just what happens with a heartbreak. Let's go to line one. We've got Mike from San Antonio. Mike, thanks for holding. You're on the air. Hey, Ron. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you well. Thank you. Okay. Hey, I got a question. I hope I can articulate this well. I've called before. I've been reading uh, 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, and, and specifically just the conflict. It seemed like a constant conflict with Israel and the Philistines and the I think it's the Amorites or the Amalekites. I don't know. But there was just seemed like it was, it seems to me there wasn't a particular, uh, I don't know if it was a pattern, but just slaughtering of each other. 
And I know, you know, we can look at the Middle East now and see the instability historically, obviously. But it just seems like I know the Ark of the Covenant was mentioned in some of this and people were killed. I'm just trying to make sense. And I know that I'm not the only one to clarify why all the slaughtering. I I understand. the. Oh, we lost you, Mike. Mike, are you there? Okay, Mike, uh, I'm sure, listen on the online, I think I know uh, where you were going with the question, although we, we only got about half of it, I think. Mike, one of the things you have to remember about the um, um, Old Testament, um, there is um, um, a lot of types in there. And, and, and for you and for me, that's the most important thing, the types that we're, we're looking at. Uh, all of the ites, the, the Parasites, the Hivites, the Amorites, the Amalekites, the Midianites, uh, all of those are a picture of our flesh. And the message that's being communicated to you thousands of years later is if you don't completely destroy your flesh, then it will completely destroy you. So here's what we understand. They were enemies, avowed enemies of God's people. And every time they would see the Israelites, um, uh, whether it was in the book of Judges, you know, where Samson was always being uh, chased by the Philistines and he was killing the Philistines. You know, the, the, the message is that there's an all-out war between good and evil in this world, and it's always been that way. And the idea is completely destroy that which is evil. And, you know, for, for an example, with, with the Amalekites, Saul, in his first great victory, he was told to completely destroy the Amalekites. And he didn't do what God told him to do. That's a place where Samuel, that great line, he said, well, um, um, why weren't you obedient to God? And, and Saul said, well, I was obedient. Well, what meaneth then the bleeding of the sheep in my ears? He was supposed to, to, to destroy everything that was associated with the Amalekites. Well, he didn't. And the Amalekites then would produce um, um, more enemies of Israel for generations. And God was always saying from the beginning, destroy your enemies completely. Now remember, whenever God is destroying, when you go into, from Joshua forward into the land of Canaan, this is God's judgment on a Christ-rejecting world, on a, on a, on a God-rejecting world in the Old Testament. And uh, the idea is you've got to destroy completely every living thing. Now, we, we often will say, well, that's um, uh, infanticide. Why kill women and children? Well, the women were just as evil as the men. And the children, if they were killed in these battles before they reached the age of accountability, um, uh, Mike, they would go to heaven. I mean, they, they, they wouldn't be judged for eternity. So, God, there was grace even in the mercy. But the picture for you and me is simple. If all of those ites represent flesh, they're a picture of your flesh and mine, we have to every single day destroy our flesh. Every day, we've got to destroy our flesh completely. Crucify it. Kill it. Give no place for the enemy to to inflame your flesh, but just die to it. So that's the message that's being communicated, and it was true in the real world, the practical word in the Old Testament, but for you and for me in the spiritual world, it's even more important because our flesh is trying to kill us. So you've got to kill it completely. 
And make no mistake, the enemy will use any flesh you leave alive to try to destroy you completely. And that's what happened over and over and over and over. The real problem with Israel was that when God rescued them, for example, over the 400 years or so of the book of Judges, when God rescued them, they would live for a time in obedience to God, and then as new generations were were born and they lived and the older people died, then they forgot all about God again. And so we had to go through it over and over and over. So that's the idea, Mike, there, and I hope that answers your question. Let's go to Alan on line two from San Antonio. Alan, thanks for holding. You're on the air. Pastor Ron, how are you? God bless you. I'm doing well. Thank you. Hi. Um, I don't know if you remember me. I called you a few times, and I met you in person, and uh, I, we pray for each other, and I just uh, hope you continue praying for me. And uh, I'll tell you whenever I hear your show, I, it makes me feel like praying also. So, oh, always thank pray. you, Alan. The uh, Holy Spirit always uh, makes me want to pray whenever I, I hear your show, so. That's always cool. A I, good I do, re- I, do I, I do I do remember meeting you. So uh, thanks for calling. Thank you, thank you. And uh, just uh, the heat right now is uh, affecting me a lot, and uh, I have problems just going outside. So if you can continue to pray for me, I I, uh, I appreciate that so much. Thanks, Alan. I will do that. Do you have a question? No, I just I was going to okay. thank you and just continue praying for me and just remember your prayer prayer wall and hope I <laughs> hope you're uh, hope I'm on it. Thank you very much, Alan. God bless you, and I will be praying for you. You know, I, I uh, I've been in my office all day, and when Alan said the heat's bothering, me, I thought, wow, this is the coolest summer I think I've ever been in. 26 years here in San Antonio, and uh, my producer nodded his head said, yeah, it's hot outside today. Uh, Alan, we will be praying for you, and thank you very, very much. And I appreciate you staying in touch and letting us know how you're doing, uh, and we will we will keep you in our prayers. Thanks for the call. appreciate it. Here is that first question. It was too long at the end of the last segment, last uh, first half of the program. It's from an anonymous parent. My teen son says he is gay and no longer wants to go to church because it makes him feel sad to hear that he is a sinner. His dad doesn't want him sad, so he he has said he doesn't have to go. Can you help me? Yeah, this is you and your you and your 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 husband um, really need to sit down together in counseling. Um, go to your church, go to your pastors, uh, get some counseling, because you've got to be on the same page. you got to be on the same page. To have a son who says he's gay, now this is a son who's living at home, he's under your authority, and he says he's gay, and he doesn't want to hear that being gay is, is a sin. Well, actually, if he, only, if he acts out on it, it's a sin. So j- just tell him Jesus loves him. What's sad about that? But the idea is that he wants you to affirm or approve his um, homosexuality. You can't do that. You simply can't do that. It's your responsibility as a parent, both you and your husband, to make sure your son is in church. He's in your house. You're supporting him. He has to abide by your rules. He shouldn't have a say-so in this matter. 
And so mom and dad need to get on the same page on this and walk in agreement. Amos 3.3 3 says, how can two walk together unless they agree to do so? And this is one of those places where where the, 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 the outcome is so critical. And as long as your son is in church, he's going to continue to hear the word of God. He's going to continue to be convicted of his sin. But that's a good thing because the Holy Spirit, with you praying and standing for Jesus, the Holy Spirit will then be able to, to, to knock on the door of his heart. And who knows, one day he may answer. I can tell you, anonymous parent, that we have a whole bunch of people who are thriving in their walk with the Lord who have come out of a gay lifestyle. Thriving in their walk with the Lord. And, and, and your job is to give your child what he needs, not what he wants. So I'm sure he's not getting beat up. It's the Holy Spirit convicting him. And um, believe me, he's going to be a lot sadder if he stands before Jesus and is sentenced to an eternity in torment. So you and your husband really need to get together on this. Schedule some time with your pastors and um, got to decide to do what Jesus wants you to do. And to, to stop putting up a fight when your son's eternal destination is in view is the most unloving thing that you could possibly do. So you and your husband have to be on the same page in this. And by the way, that same page has to be has to be being on Jesus' side. The other question, Anonymous, that I didn't have time with at the end of the last half hour. Is this one, Pastor Ron, it's hard to deal with the death of someone I loved who died without Jesus. Um, Anonymous, it's supposed to be hard. It really is supposed to be hard. We love people. Um, the idea that they are now uh, in eternal torment um, is a reminder of our commitment to God to tell people about Jesus. So yeah, I understand it's hard. But here's where you've got to trust the justice, the fairness, the holiness of God. This someone you loved who died without Jesus had plenty of opportunities, perhaps even from you telling them about Jesus, but they had plenty of opportunities to, to accept Jesus. They, they knew who he was. They, they, um, they, they, while they were alive, they had every opportunity and they chose to reject him. And then you've got to rest that God was fair. God loved him even more than you do or loved her more than you do. And he did everything he could short of forcing them to receive Jesus Christ. This is one of those places where we've got to say, God, this hurts so deeply. And he would answer you, I know it hurts because it hurts me even more deeply. But then you've got to rest in his fairness and in his goodness. And so rather than focus on the person you loved who is now in torment, focus on the goodness of God. And I hope this motivates you to be very upfront, bold, not obnoxious, but bold in sharing your faith with other unbelievers. Because this is something that every single person goes through. You know, Anonymous, we've had people who come in here and get saved and and uh, in just talking to them right after they got saved and answering the questions, and, and they'll say, well, my mom 
died or of a brother died or a husband who died and they weren't a believer and it, re- and, and it just dawns on them that that means they're in hell or in the intermediate state, Luke chapter 16. Um, and that's a hard thing to deal with. But, but again, the focus has got to be on Jesus. And he rescued you. And your grateful response to him rescuing you has got to be, God, I love you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to tell other unbelievers about you. And believe me, when you do that, the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the sadness, well, it'll never go away because we love people. That sadness um, will be overwhelmed by the goodness of God. One final comment here. Um, When I got saved, it was less than two years after my mom died. And I have no evidence that my mom got saved. Um, I hope that she did. Uh, my sister, who thinks everybody she loves is saved, said, oh yeah, mom mom knew Jesus. I said, well, you know. Um, and I've had to deal with this. Um, and, and you know what? The truth is, my mom, like everybody else, had every chance to receive Jesus Christ. And God will be pronounced just in his judgments when we stand before him on that day. And we won't be angry. And in heaven forever, uh, our memories will be cleaned of all those things that cause us pain. Sorry for your loss, but use it to motivate you to tell other people about Jesus. Andy says, First John 1 9 seems to me to minimize sin in the life of a believer. Can you comment? Um, uh, Andy, I don't, I don't know how it minimizes sin at all. Um, unless you're thinking perhaps that um, if we do something really bad, all we have to do is say, Jesus, I'm sorry, and, and it's like it never happened. But that's a good thing. That's grace, God's unmerited favor to the infinitely ill-deserving. And I love that. I love the fact that if I mess up, I can run to the presence of, of a God who loves me and tell him I blew it. I'm sorry. I can own it. I can accept responsibility for my sin. And God wipes it all away. And I can start over. And sometimes when I hear a comment like yours, Andy, I think, what do you want, a pound of flesh? You want somebody to really suffer for their sin? There are consequences to sin, and Jesus doesn't spare us those consequences. But believe me, First John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive you and to purify you from all unrighteousness. There is nothing in our New Testament that's better than that. It means my relationship with God can be restored instantly. I don't have to do penance. I don't have to feel really bad. I don't have to beat myself up. I don't need to be publicly flogged. Jesus died for all sins, past, present, and future. And the key here, I think, Andy, maybe this is what you're missing, is the word purifies. It's a verb. And in the process of coming to God, confessing our sin, that word means to agree with God. Yes, what I did was sin. No excuse. I'm sorry. Well, then the process of being purified in the power of the Holy Spirit occurs, and it's an ongoing, in the perfect present tense um, um, form, and, and it means that we're being purified. As long as we hold on to guilt, 
or con- condemnation. Then we're not being purified because we're not walking in the power of the Spirit. And we're not walking in the power of the Spirit because we don't take Jesus at His word. So, nothing about minimizing sin at all. And again, there are painful consequences for sin. Painful consequences. Uh, And Jesus is with us through those consequences. But believe me, if you sin, there are going to be consequences. And you need to believe 1 John 1, 9 and let Jesus walk through those consequences with you. Andy, I hope that makes sense to you. Victor says, um, Pastor Ron, how should I respond to people online who say Christians believe in fairy tales, are brainwashed, and have no intellectual capacity? Um, Victor, let me say two things. Okay, The first one is the, the most simple. Stop talking to people online who say those things. What value is there in that? One of the things I'll never understand about the social media generation that we live in, I can't understand why people want to engage in counterproductive arguments. Why do we want to debate? There's no love in that. So don't respond. Why would we even engage them in the first place? Spend your time, instead of being online, spend your time in the Word of God. And I promise you, God will change your heart about responding to people online who say these bad things about Christians. The second thing I would say, Jesus said it, so I'll attribute it to him. He said, don't cast your pearls before swine. People who are hardcore unbelievers, just stop communicating with them. It's that simple. We got one message. Jesus Christ crucified and risen from the dead, and he's coming again. That's our message. And if they don't believe that, we have nothing else to say. Rule of life for me, Victor, is this one. I always say when people stop listening, I stop talking. If somebody's really listening, I'll talk to them ad nauseum, on and on and on and on. But when they stop listening, I stop talking. And I'm probably not going to convince you about not engaging on social media, but Victor... Seek the heart of God. Is this what Jesus would have you do with the gift of this glorious gospel that he's given you? So don't argue. Exchange your phone for a Bible. Exchange your phone for a Bible. That's a losing battle. I know it. I can't tell you how many times I've said that to people who have decided... Uh, that what they really need to do is is um, convince the whole world that they're wrong and the Christian is right. Uh, so please. Uh, here is the question that just came in from our mobile app. It's a follow-up from Ash. Oh, Ash, I'm glad you were listening. Um, thank you. I heard some of your answer. The app kept glitching. I had my mom listening also just in case, but thank you. My heart is breaking. But now I know what I need to do. Thank you, and I thank God for you, Pastor Ron. I don't have a church home and am alone as far as much support. Still, thank you so, so much. Thank you so much. Ash, um, you need a church home quickly. I don't know where you are in town. Um, um, we have a lot of people here that, that that have been through what you're going through. Uh, we will help you. Um, just let us know. Just just find a way to get here. Introduce yourself to me. 
and uh, and we will get along. But you can't do this alone. You said earlier you tried it your way. Now you're going to do it God's way. So here's what you do God's way. You 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 get involved in a in a Bible teaching, a, a solid, healthy church. Become a part of the body. It's what my message is going to be about on Sunday. Um, the, the value of the body in each of the parts that we have from First Corinthians chapter 12. And you fit in. And there are people who have been through. I, I can think off the top of my head right now, Ash, um, five youngish women who have been through exactly what you're going through who could let you know you're going to be okay. They were as afraid as you are and as heartbroken as you are. But they'll let you know that God is good and he will deliver you through this. You can't do this on your own. So, Ash, um, you know how to get a hold of us through the, 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 the app. You can send information. Uh, if you need a ride, whatever you need, just be sure that you get involved in a local church. It's the only way to stay healthy and to keep your eyes focused on Jesus. Thank you for letting me know you're okay, even though you're kind of really not okay. God bless you, Ash. I appreciate you letting me know. I would have worried about that all night long. <laughs> so thank you very, very much. And, and by the way, Ash, we have church tonight here at Calvary Chapel, 7 o'clock. We have a Wednesday night service, a Friday night service, and three Sunday morning services. So um, believe me, we'll take the time. And if you don't mind, when you if you come... Um, you let somebody know uh, that you're a radio call and you want to meet me. And if you don't mind, I'll even give you a hug. I'd love to. 340-9585. I think we're getting close to the end of our time here together. Just under, Just under three minutes. So let me get another question here. Here's another anonymous one. If God made some people gay, why is it wrong to be gay? Well, your premise uh, is is faulty. God didn't make people gay. God made people in his image. And by the way, God only made two people with his own hand. That's Adam and Eve. The rest of us are made by the process God gave us for multiplication. And and so God didn't make you gay. God made you in his image. That's the creation process. And in his image, he wants you to live a life that reflects his image. Now, if God made some people gay then you'd have a point. But God didn't do that. We live in a fallen world. We're confused. Uh, we Truthfully, we want to sin. And so that's what we do. Some people sin as homosexuality. Some people sin as heterosexuality. You know, I just I just need somebody. I want, I, I, I have a, a healthy sexual appetite. It's not healthy if it's not done according to God's rules. God made some people uh, who turned out to be thieves. He didn't make them that way. God made some people who turned out to be drunks and drug addicts. He didn't make them that way. We do those things to ourselves, Anonymous. So stop blaming God for the things that are going on in this world. It never ceases to amaze me how people will blame God for things that break his heart. So trust in him and Anonymous. Get to know him because you have no idea who he is or you would never be able to make that kind of a statement that you just made. So, I hope that answers your question. Uh, we're at the end of the program today, so uh, keep us in prayer. Important studies this weekend. Tonight, the church at Thyatira uh, from Revelation chapter 2. Um, not a fun one, but, but 
like all of the Word of God, it's one that we need to hear. Uh, and then 1 Corinthians chapter 12, as we close out um, the first part of our teaching on the gifts of the Spirit uh, and how the body works together. Hey, thanks for tuning in. May the Lord bless you and keep you. You've been listening to The Word to Stand Up for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh, Lord willing. I'll be back on Monday at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then.